This is the show where we pair the perfect beverage with the events in our lives. This is Let's Drink Drink About It. It. You're listening to Let's Drink About It, a show where we proceed from the premise that every life event can be paired with a cocktail. Uh, I'm your host, Benjamin R. Harrison. I'm your host, Chris Bowman. And with us is our lovely and talented guest, Dan Pashman, host of The Sporkful, a WNYC podcast that is way better than our show. No. Welcome, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, Thanks, guys. Uh, so The Sporkful, uh, I think the tagline is that it's for eaters, not foodies, which um, I, uh, I like to think I'm both. <laughs> 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 um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate the approach that it's not about the the snobbiest thing, but it is about knowing, knowing things about the food that you're eating and how to make it. And, um, you know, you, you're pretty, you're pretty wide ranging on the show. Like you, you touch on a lot of topics. Yeah. I try to cover a lot of ground and like, since I went to, came to, cause I started off doing the show independently for oh, a number nice. of years and then WNYC picked it up after I've been doing it for about, after I've been doing it for about four years and so now I have a producer that I work with, which is a nice luxury. And I sort of can like, <laughs> that's allowed me to expand it a lot and cover more different kinds of things. Sure. And, and um, but yeah, I sort of, I, I like uh, sort of one week we'll, I'll be like in a cab talking about Ramadan, interviewing taxi drivers. And the next yeah. week I'll be like drinking a beer with Jim Gaffigan and being like, <laughs> which well, is the well, opposite well, of Ramadan. Let's, right. let's, let's not forget, <laughs> let's not forget uh, the edibles uh, episode with Jad Abumarad. Yeah. yeah, the Radio Lab host. Yep. I wanted to talk about that because I, it brought up an issue that I think that we talk about on this show a lot, which is uh, you talk your edibles, meaning food that has pot in it. Correct. Right. Um, and uh, and you guys had a, a super talented like French baker come in and make you guys a bunch of pot edibles, and you know you you and a bunch of radio royalty. Right. Got <laughs> super duper high. <laughs> yeah, too high, much too high. Too and high. the show went completely off the rails after that. Right, <laughs> which is what happens. With right, edible. like right. I like my my pot edible experience is I went to a Christmas party when I was in college. It was like home for the holidays kind of thing, and it was a bunch of kids that I had gone to high school with or known in high school at, and I was standing at the snack table eating cookies and. Uh, I saw, I noticed a sign far too late that said the cookies with green frosting are pot cookies. (laughs) And I was not, I did not, I did not plan to eat. How many had you eaten before you noticed the sign? I I have no, like, I wasn't like, (laughs) I wasn't looking at the frosting color as I was eating them. (laughs) So I just immediately called my dad and I was like, come pick me up. Things are about to get fucked up. Yeah. That's who you want to be around is your dad, right? When you're super (laughs) high. Yeah. And, it, you know, it, inevitably it took him an eternity to get there. So I was just like... It was oh. actually only two minutes. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it was uh, it was like a real fear and loathing ride home in the Prius through the Berkeley Hills. <laughs> well, I'll tell uh, you a, a real a real brief edible story for me. The first time I ever did it was I must have been like 23 years old. And uh, it was just a chocolate chip cookie and it made Tron the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, so the the issue that I thought that you guys raised in the in the episode is: is it a delivery mechanism mm. at, that's being tarted up, or is there actually like a culinary or gustatory uh, like reason to have pot in your food? And I think that that's something that cocktails are uh you know touch on, that's an issue that cocktails touch on also because they're fancy and you're spending time to make them but ultimately you're getting drunk and 
Right. So, right. Like, like how into high-end cocktails would people be if they didn't get you drunk? Right. right. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> like, like mocktails. Well, like you can we, tell, we you get, can tell, right. you can tell pretty quickly that it, they're not into them like two or three <laughs> in. They, I mean, all they need is one or two at the beginning and then it's like, ah, oh, I'll just take a shot of something, you know? Yeah, right. totally. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. I, uh, I thought that that was a, an interesting like lens through which to consider that issue. Cause we, I guess, think about it somewhat on this show. And I think that I like cocktails cause they take a little time. Mm-hmm. So it's not like brazenly a delivery mechanism. Right. <laughs> um, and you can at least pretend that you're doing something other than getting hammered. Right. Um, but, but isn't it also when you're with drinking, like, Sometimes you want more of a delivery system sure. for alcohol, and sometimes you want a drink to enjoy. Like maybe it's just a real hot day, and you're outside, and you just mm-hmm. want a cold beer, totally, yeah. or whatever it is. Or it's the end of the day, you want a, a stiff drink to relax. Well, I guess that that would be for the alcohol then. In that case, but like, <laughs> yeah. I sometimes would... you're just like, I'm really stressed. I had a long day. Like, get me a drink. Yeah. yeah. Um. I, I went to a concert at the Hollywood Bowl a few weeks ago, and. Uh, there were people coming back from the concession stand with uh, 32 ounce plastic cups with like lids and straws full of red wine. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, just have beer at that point, please. Yeah, seriously. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but so like the other side of, of that episode, not to dwell exclusively on the pot no, episode. No, that's cool, whatever you but, want. Yeah. Uh, was uh, the modulation issue. And I thought that, like, you know, you guys were kind of trying to hit a certain amount of getting high. You're talking about, like, buzz management. Buzz management, right. right. And right. Uh, sorry to I used the wrong term there. Oh, but um, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the, the idea of, like, you know, trying, trying to manage how wasted you're getting is pretty easy. Like, everybody knows how to do it with drinks other than high school kids. Like, right. And, and high school kids are routinely getting, you know, alcohol poisoning and having their pum- mm-hmm. stom- stomachs pumped and stuff. And I wonder if it's maybe the same issue that we're so new to eating pot as a way of consuming it that, that maybe it's just about, like, everybody sort of going through their high school phase now. Right. <laughs> it, I mean, that, that could be part of it, I think. But um, one of the interesting things that came out in the episode, because after we got way too messed up, I went out and talked to a bunch of experts to try to learn, like, what happened? Right. Where did, how did we go so wrong? Um, <laughs> you know? And we talked to this one doctor who, one of the things she explained was um, that marijuana smokers are actually really good at managing their buzz because totally. it hits you so quickly right. when you smoke mm-hmm. it. And so you know very quickly, like, how high am I? Am I too? And if you're too high, it will wear off very quickly also. And if you're not high enough, you can take another hit. Yeah. So it's very easy to learn pretty, with, with a small amount of experience, how to get to the place you want to get to. Absolutely. With eating, your body processes it very differently, much slower. And right. so it's a long time before you know exactly how high what you ate is going to make yeah. you. Yeah, you might um, be all the way home with that dad exactly, at that point. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, was about, I was just about to say that's exactly why it took me the first 45 minutes of Tron to realize it was the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> have you gone back and watched that movie sober now? I have. And, and was, I, it, was it as good? You know what? That movie was like so far ahead of its time and not a kid's movie at all. Like it was a good movie. I think it still stands up uh, at least a little bit. I mean, in terms of the technology and stuff, the terminology and stuff they're using. Yeah. Obviously, the special effects were kind of state of the art at the time. Uh, it wasn't the best movie I've ever seen. No, if that's what you're asking. No, they right. definitely had a, <laughs> definitely uh, intensified my opinion for sure. 
<laughs> I thought it looked. I, I mean, I think it still looks cool. Like even though yeah. it, the effects are super dated, mm-hmm. like, it is true. Yeah, like there's not many special like like sci-fi movies where like the visuals of it really stick with you and like stay stuck with you and, and feel unique even like decades later. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. sometimes the, whoever the first person to do something was like they were the first, but then when it gets copied five hundred times, mm-hmm. the the original doesn't feel original anymore. Right. The Matrix has that problem. Yes. Nobody that watches the Matrix today thinks it's good. Right. And, <laughs> <laughs> like or for the first time I should say. But right. like uh, they're like, oh, I've seen this movie a hundred times. It's like, no, but this one did it first. Yeah. But like, it doesn't really matter after you've seen the other 20 copies first. Right. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, I think the part of the issue with edibles is the way your body processes it. But part of it is um, just the science. Like, the, 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 even chefs who have years of experience cooking with edibles, right. cooking with weed, still don't quite have it down mm-hmm. and can't tell you <laughs> all that precisely how strong a certain batches. Yeah. Well, and you were going to connect the, the, the woman that you worked with who was supposedly monitoring you with a, a, like lab, a scientist, a scientist right? So who does know what's going on, right? Well, he, he said he does know. And I, and I, I believe that he probably knows better than she does. She, she's mm-hmm. very inexperienced and he's very experienced at doing it. But even like the other guy in the episode who we talked to, who this, that guy had trained the chef that we talked to in the episode. Yeah. Even that, that chef admitted he still screws up once in a while. And actually, <laughs> right. it's interesting, a few weeks after our episode came out, there was a story somewhere, I forget, I got a bunch of people emailed it to me, saying basically that like the labels on, on half the edibles in Colorado are totally wrong. <laughs> oh, and that the things are, are stronger or weaker or whatever. Like, the, yeah. you know, the, no one really knows how strong is in any of this stuff. Yeah. How, mean, how much is in any of this stuff? That's an interesting issue. I mean, I, I, I think that like it happens maybe a little bit in cocktails, especially at like the shittier bars where you go in and you get a vodka soda and the straw is full of vodka and then the rest of the drink is just soda. Um, you know, like, whoa, that's strong. And then keep drinking it and you don't, you know, nothing happens. But uh, totally. But for the most part, I, th- I feel like like after you've had your first year of experiencing alcohol you kind of know what you're what you're doing hopefully yeah <laughs> you would think yeah. yeah you would think Every, everybody's got that one friend who <laughs> although in that shitty bar i think that sometimes what happens is that you get bad ice yeah yeah and so oh, that's, that's, usually that's, that's a huge happens. issue right and the ice melts too quickly so the first couple sips taste strong and then it tastes weak very quickly I don't know that it's like because the liquor was in the straw. It could also be. Yeah. Well, that's the, like a that's like a, a charlatan bar maneuver where they the the straws are in a container that has vodka in the bottom, and they pick out the straw with their finger on top to yeah, keep yeah. the vodka in. And oh, drop really? Drop it into the drink. Yeah. And so the straw is is like is is that. It, your first sip is is meant to deceive you into thinking that the drink. I never heard about this. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, this is. Uh, Have you seen this done in person? Uh, I've I've read about it and and uh, and and heard tell of it. I've I I mean I, it may have happened to me, but I I wasn't like sharp enough to be. But then you would need different straws with different oh, liquors. Yeah. Oh yeah! Wow! Like oh oh that guy must be drink, drinking tequila because he's got a yeah. red straw. Exactly. Yeah, right. Or even if it's the same straws, you would need them in different cups yeah. to yeah. be soaking in different kinds of liquor. <laughs> or maybe they're just ripping off the vodka people because the vodka—they're the suckers. Is, is, well, it's, it, not necessarily <laughs> they're the suckers, but that's what's getting ordered. You know, right? Fifty percent of the time, right. where all the other alcohols are fighting for that other fifty percent. Interesting. Um, 
I don't know. That's just a theory. I'm, I've never been a charlatan bar owner, so I wouldn't know. Yeah. <laughs> this sounds like a let's drink about an investigation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Our first hard-hitting... Uh... Coming up next on a very special episode of Let's Drink About It. Dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, um, I have uh, returned from my honeymoon, and uh, this week I need a cocktail to go with getting back to the daily grind. Oh, boy. Uh, Well, for me, um, I have a doctor's appointment on Saturday, and uh, we've been discussing uh, hip replacements lately, and I've been having a problem with my hip, and I don't think I'm going to be getting good news, and I need a drink to go with that. Oh, boy. Yeah. (laughs) Jeez. Yep. Heavy. I uh, I moved to the suburbs a couple years ago, and it remains like the number one topic of conversation <laughs> between my wife and me. Uh, how much do we like it? What do we like and not like about it? Uh, do we, how long do we want to stay there? Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And uh, so I need a drink that will go along with this never-ending conversation. Dan, you're going to be drinking something called a Navy Fizz. Um, I picked this drink because it's got a lot of uh, fresh uh, veg, uh, fresh fruit and things in it. And I feel like the one a key advantage I can see in living in the suburbs is you can cultivate a lot of your own uh, ingredients. So... Okay. I'm not I'm not like a I'm not trying to sell you on staying in the suburbs <laughs> necessarily. I'm just trying to play to its strengths. Right. Give it a fair shake okay. cuz you know, I feel like the suburbs gets ragged on a lot. Sure. Uh this is a Navy Fizz, an ounce and a half of London Dry Gin, 3 quarter ounces of Campari. I'll be substituting Grand Classico. Uh 3 quarter ounces of lemon juice, a quarter ounce of simple syrup, half a peach uh, two rosemary sprigs and soda water. So uh, sounds good. We're gonna muddle the peach, the rosemary sprig, and the simple syrup in uh, the shaker. Uh, add the remaining ingredients, shake with ice, and fine strain into an ice chilled and ice filled Collins glass. Top with the soda water and garnish with another rosemary sprig. Uh, so that's the navy fizz. You know, Ben, we seem to have done it again. I think every one of these drinks has food in it, some sort of food. And we've done it, well, we've done it without actually talking about Dan it. Pashman on yeah, the show. I'm cool with that. Yeah, yeah. cool. That's perfect. Um, so at least it's not one of those Bloody Marys with like a hamburger garnishing <laughs> it. <laughs> and a whole pizza. Yeah. Uh, ben, you're going to be drinking a lawn dart. Uh, it's an ounce of Blanco tequila, one ounce of uh, Tanqueray gin, or what gin of your choosing, uh, three-quarter ounce of lime juice, three-quarter ounce of agave syrup, Quarter ounce of green chartreuse, uh, one five-inch sliced uh, green bell pepper. And you're gonna muddle the bell pepper in agave syrup. Add everything else, uh, then shake with ice and fine strain into a chilled Collins glass filled with ice. Garnish with an umbrella and a lime wheel. Well, I couldn't turn up an umbrella on short notice, Chris, so I'm not gonna have that. But uh, I got the lime wheel. Cool, perfect. <laughs> did you say a bell pepper? I There's did. gonna be a bell pepper in this one. I've yep. never heard of that. This is exciting. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, bell pepper. It's a popular ingredient. Uh, you'll see it on pizza. Sometimes people <laughs> put in salsa. <laughs> uh, some people stuff oh, them. Uh, a guy with a food podcast. Never yeah, you, would think, you would think you would know that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm out of the loop. The kids these days. Yeah. I don't know what they'll think of next. Yeah, it's like kale. <laughs> then kale's over. And now it's bell peppers. Uh, 
uh, Chris, you'll be drinking a muddled mission. This is a death and co cocktail. Uh, an ounce and a half of gin that, uh, that makes three gin cocktails as well. Ounce think- and a half of gin, ounce of St. Germain, three quarter ounces of lemon juice, quarter ounce of yellow chartreuse and two fresh strawberries. So you're going to muddle a hulled strawberry in your shaker, add the remaining ingredients, and shake with ice until well chilled. Strain into a chilled coop and garnish with a slice of strawberry. Nice. Let's go make them. Yes. Well, cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. Cheers. Glad to be drinking with you. Yeah, this is great. Oh, that's really nice. Oh, yeah. Don't this see a... gin and tequila in a drink alongside each other all that often, but I'm, I'm a fan of this. You like oh, it? Oh, wow. I'm getting, the bell pepper really comes through, too. Can I stick, can I stick my straw, straw in your drink, Benjamin? Do <laughs> you remember Benjamin? I thought you'd never ask. Do you remember Ben or Benjamin? I thought you'd never ask. I go by either. Okay. Um, usually, when I write it down, I write it as Benjamin, but almost everybody calls me Whoa. Benjamin. Chris Chris Bowman calls me Benjamin. That is so crazy. Yeah, it's really pepper. Yeah, it's it's uh, uh, I you know never uh, I'm ne- I'm never not looking for a substitution or an alternate ingredient, Chris. So I used a purple bell pepper instead cool. of a green one. Sure, but uh, you just use what's nearest, I guess. Yeah, you know? yeah. What yeah. what what I had on hand, which yeah. was purple bell pepper. Uh-oh. Now wait, remind me. What did you do with the pepper to put it in the drink? It's muddled. You muddled up. it? Yeah. So it's you're just getting what came out of the extraction process there. Uh, there's not really any like material from it. I guess mm. there's a little bit of pulp in the bottom there. But Well, now that we're drinking, I'm going to adjust my microphone so I can sit back on the couch oh, in a yeah. reclining position. Can <laughs> I do that? Enjoy yourself. Relax. Yeah. You've been working all day. So you I can know. take a load it's, off. It's, I mean, it's almost 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It's <laughs> yeah. been a long day. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely 5 o'clock somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um... I'll just get my my life event out of the way because it's not that interesting. It's just been uh it's been like a really long time away from the uh away from the way I like to normally conduct my day. Uh what with the uh well with all the uh, excitement in my life of late. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I'm I'm a flexible dude and, and like I have to be because I travel so much for work, but I do I do like to have my routines. I like to get up in the morning and walk the dog and get a nice coffee. And, uh, and like my, uh, my parents-in-law when I was staying at their house in LA for the wedding, um, were, they're, they're very uncomfortable with the idea that I'm leaving the house to eat food that they haven't like lovingly prepared for me. (laughs) So when I go in the morning to like the coffee bean and tea leaf and get a nice coffee and a, and a garbage bagel uh <laughs> just to yeah, have some quiet time to myself uh, and and attempt to you know do a simulacrum of my of my daily routine yeah you know as i'm walking out the door they're like what where are you going like, <laughs> we have all this locks and <laughs> you know uh but uh yeah so I, and then you know i just speaking of coffee specifically uh, somehow that's like the most important part of the routine when I was in Europe, I, I, you know, you think of Europe as having this great coffee scene and the, like a better coffee culture than we have. No, it's I difficult. I think Brooklyn's run a, a fucking, has fucking lapped Europe in terms of coffee culture. And really? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, depends on where you are in Europe, I, I suppose, but I, 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 it's always a difficult task finding a good cup of coffee. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's easy to get a good espresso. 
uh, I, I mean, I think a decent espresso is close at hand basically at all times in the places I was at in France and Italy. Mm-hmm. But if you're, for example, in Naples and it's 90 degrees out, the only iced coffee thing that they have is like way, way sweet, like super, super like kid level sweet. Like one of those Starbucks iced coffees that comes in the bottle that's like yeah. got 10 pounds of sugar in it. <laughs> well, what we got was it was like a little, it was like not quite as small as a shot glass, but you're you're thinking about the right type of thing basically if you're thinking about a shot glass and it was full of essentially like a coffee granita that was like almost overpoweringly sweet it was like a slushy coffee that was super super sweet and i saw people ordering this all over italy um and i tried it once and i was like i like i love the idea of this i love the idea of i like coffee that is on the verge of just being ice <laughs> like as something i'm eating right now cuz it's so fucking hot like right. it was just unbearably hot some mm-hmm. of the days we were there but uh with like with the addition of the amount of sugar that that uh was in it it was like you know it was like water water everywhere but not a drop to drink <laughs> uh, <laughs> But just substitute coffee for but, water. In the, <laughs> but uh, was it sweet is my question. I'm not sure if you've mentioned if it was sweet yet or not. Oh, oh yeah. It was, um, <laughs> it was actually pretty sweet if, uh, okay. if memory right. serves. No. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, it got on my high horse a little bit about racist taxi drivers in Europe uh, on the last episode. Um, I, will, uh, I, I will freely admit to being a little bit racist against the amount of sugar that is being employed in almost all dishes in Italy. Uh, anytime something is some, supposed to be somewhat sweet, it was like offensively sweet to me. So, hmm. uh, and, and, and like the first, the first like plastic cup of cold brew with a straw in it that I got when I was back here was so fucking like heaven <laughs> joyful to me it was it was yeah it felt really well, good let me it ask felt you this. almost as good as uh sitting here sipping on this lawn dart cool well let me ask this about getting back into your routine I mean you were you know kind of knee deep in a routine just before you left you sure. know and everything had to come to a screeching halt but then those two <laughs> weeks must have felt like I mean did time pass slower while you were away or did it, did it go quick? I mean, like, basically, how difficult has it been for you to get back into that routine that you were sort of... Oh, it snaps back into place. Okay. Um, for sure. I, you know, I I think that I probably have honed my skills in that also just for having such a travel-heavy work life that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I have to, I have to, I have to be comfortable with not having my fancy cold brew coffee every single morning sure uh, poor you poor you yeah well you know <laughs> if i'm in like if i'm waking up in a hotel by the denver airport you know like <laughs> limited the, the, comfor- the comforts of my of my bohemian brooklyn lifestyle are not close at hand and i have you're to, like, saying you don't mind roughing it <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> by the yeah. denver airport yeah right I, I don't mind going in down there and getting that that scrambled egg from the complimentary breakfast that has been poured out of a carton into <laughs> and had water added to it to reconstitute it. This is the cost of practicing your craft. Man. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I suffer for my art. Yes. Gentlemen, <laughs> I suffer for it. <laughs> um, well, but enough about me. Uh, Dan, let's talk about the suburbs. All right. 
What do you want to know? It's, it's an issue that hasn't come up a lot on this show. So I, you know, like I, and I think that um, I, I, re- I had a chip on my shoulder about like art to do with the suburbs for a long time. Like whenever I would see a movie where the uh, camera shows a picturesque suburban house and then pans down into the dirt and shows the writhing mass of insects underneath, uh, <laughs> I'd be like, all right, we get it. You have a problem with the image of the suburbs. If you don't want to live there, you don't have to. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, and, and there's about a trillion Hollywood films that totally. take pot shots at that uh, lifestyle. And, and it's not a lifestyle that I have personally chosen for myself, but, uh, you know, some people do. And, and I think people with kids especially uh, – so, but you've, you've done it and it remains, yeah, it's I mean, not settled law for you. That's, that's right. I mean, you know, so I, I lived in, my wife and I, similar stories. Like we both grew up in the suburbs. Yeah. We both went to college near cities and then lived in cities, you know, throughout, all throughout our twenties into our thirties. Yeah. Um, I lived in Brooklyn for two years myself and then we lived together in Brooklyn for seven years. Um, had our first kid in Brooklyn yeah. in a one-bedroom apartment. She slept in our bedroom. <laughs> but when the second kid was coming, we were like, this is not feasible. And right. for a variety of reasons, which are not especially interesting because, you know, everyone faces these same issues. It's sort of like uh, free childcare being offered to us out in the in the suburbs yeah. um, and space and all that. Like, sure, we could have found a two-bedroom apartment like somewhere else in Brooklyn. And, sure. you know, and, like, many, and that's a choice we could have made. And many people make that choice. Totally. Um, but you know, I wanted some more space. I didn't want to move to another apartment that we were going to move out of in another two years. Like I wanted to move somewhere and be settled for a while. And the free childcare thing was a huge draw. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we moved out into the burbs. Really where we live is out on Long Island. Yeah. Not far from where my, my, my wife grew up. And it is actually more like on the, it's far out. It's like on the border between the suburbs and the country. Right. If you go in one direction from where we live, it's the highway, strip malls, big right. box stores. <laughs> if you go in the other direction, though, it's farms, waterfront. We live very close to the many beaches, water, boats. Nothing wrong with that. Sounds no. horrible. Sounds horrible. Well, that's the point I'm making. Like, it, it, it isn't. And, and we also, by the way, live in a four-bedroom house where everyone gets their own bedroom. And when my parents come to stay with us, they even get their own bedroom. Right. And we have a big Nothing backyard, a big backyard. And we have a basement where the kids can play and a playroom where the kids can play. Yeah. And we can afford all of those things and not stress about paying for them. I mean, the real dream is to have a second basement where you can keep your gimp right. away from the, where the kids are playing, you know, because it's always, it's uncomfortable yeah. having both in the same place. We call that a sub-basement. Oh, oh sure, yeah, sure. Exactly, a sub-basement. I, always wondered, I always wondered what that, yeah. yeah. Just roll back the rug and there's the staircase. That... That's right. Yeah, that's how it works. You guys know. You know. Yeah. I mean, the cops could be in there for days and never notice. Never notice. <laughs> right. Um, and, oh, by the way, public schools. We have public schools that our kids get to go to for free. Wow. Yeah. And uh, we don't have to worry about getting our kids into the public schools, which yeah. our friends in Brooklyn have to worry about. Sure. So this, it's, it's a never-ending conversation, you say, with your wife, between your wife and yourself. Well, and right. So wh- she, uh, I, I have, my, my personality is sort of to be like, whatever situation you put me in, I'm going to find the positives in it and just focus on that. And like, look, it's not perfect. It takes me an hour and 45 minutes each way to get to WNYC where I do this work full. Wow. Three, so three days a week I come into the city, two days a week I work from home, you know, 
But like, if I want to go, if we want to go out in the city or do anything that involves sort of like any culture or like, it's like a huge production. Sure. Yeah. All right. Especially with kids. Like, right. Especially with kids. Strapping um, all that up together. and Right. Right. And um, so it's f- very far from the city. And, you know, like, it's such a yin yang thing, like being in a sort of quasi rural area. Yeah. Like there is like, it's, it's, it's more laid back and we have more space right. and there is like a nice sort of small town feel that's very quaint. And we, I like to, in a certain way, but it's also kind of like provincial in a certain way. And like, yeah. um, I also like, it's easier for me to focus on the positives of it because I come into the city three days a week. Right. So, right. so you, I, you haven't been completely right. disconnected from the environment that you Right. aspire to right. and i and i have excuses like this to come to greenpoint and go uh-huh. like check out like so yeah it's not like i'm just in manhattan get punch, those peter punch. pan donuts get right. that get that meat hook sandwich <laughs> right exactly so like I, I i get opportunities to kind of venture all around the area and go eat fun food and, and like see friends so like it's easier for me because i get a little bit of both of that she's more you know, in fairness like she is more isolated right but it's just like a never-ending yeah. source of like is this where we want to be you know, it, it's very draining. I feel like the generation before didn't have that crisis. It's totally a first world problem. Yeah. Totally. And, and it's interesting because so my wife's parents fled communist Czechoslovakia in the Prague Spring in 1968. Sure. As you do. As you do. Right, right. They, li- they lived apart for three years with uh, Janie's mom, my wife's mom in Israel, and my father-in-law in upstate New York. Wow. And then finally in 1971... My mother-in-law moved from Israel to New York, and they, you know, got married and started a, a family on Long Island. And they ended up in this area of Long Island because the one family member that they knew lived near there. And, yeah. and when you're an immigrant and you don't know anybody, that is the kind mm-hmm. of math you have to do. Right. That's why you move someplace. Yeah. Well, we know zero. We know one person in this whole country. Let's go live near them. I always think about that. Like if I, if somebody dropped me from space into any city like how would i even know about how to find an apartment <laughs> like yeah. like because some places it's craigslist but some places it's not and you know like you don't necessarily know what the like shady thing that you have to avoid is right right and like and like it totally makes sense you go to the place where there's like a little tiny beachhead right and and, and at least you have one contact there who can say like live in that place and not in this place <laughs> or at least that way, on the weekends, you know that from the start, you have one fr- at least one friend you can call. Right. If you get exhausted speaking English, <laughs> right. which is not your first language, right. you have somebody that you can speak to your, in your native language. So then, totally, I, my mother... Sorry, go on, Chris. No, I was just going to say, I mean, it's a dream, I think, uh, for a lot of people that live in a city, the, the, the dream of living in a rural area is uh, a pretty, you know, it's a pretty... Um, vibrant dream you know it's like wow it would be amazing to have a little bit of space around me and this the silence and the 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 nature nearby but i think for me there's that new york elite too that has the has it both ways like that like 3 p.m on friday they're out of there and they're up in their country house on the hudson river valley that cost like three million dollars or whatever and i mean i like yeah, I think I just think that that it's the the um, the period of transition. I think is what kind of terrifies me a little bit. I mean, yeah, you know the 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 silence once the novelty wears off is like, oh my god, I can't walk to the corner and get 
what I need. <laughs> I, like, I've got, you know, I've got to keep walking like another few miles or whatever the case may be. But um, I yeah. guess you haven't experienced that yet, Dan, because you're saying you get to come and go. So yeah. Well, I mean, I come into this, but like it is true that you know, like, and we do have a very small town that we can walk to, so we actually walk more than most people who live, you know, in the suburbs oh, slash nice. country. Mm -hmm. But like, there's like, if I want to buy apples, <laughs> I have to get in my car. Right. You're right. You know, and that is a different thing and that's frustrating. And like, if I want to, you know, now granted, I can get in my car and drive to an orchard <laughs> yeah. and, and buy the apples where they were just picked, which is cool. Yeah. But I can't walk to that, you know, and, and there is something, you know, and I think if I can sort of channel my wife and say what she would say in this situation, you know, it can feel it's such a catch 22 living in a, in a more rural area, which is that it can feel at times isolating. Right. Um, you know, like she was accustomed with the first two years of our daughter's life of like walk down the street to the park <laughs> at the end of our block and you're going to find someone there that, you know. Yeah. And, um, and, and some people have this in certain suburban areas where like you walk at your kids right. can walk out into their front yard and there's bikes strewn on the front yards and the kids, you know, all, all just play with each other in the street. Right. Um, you know, we don't have that. That's hard to it's it's hard to find, and it's also hard to synthesize like intentionally, right? You know, like it can happen, <clears throat> but if you like go looking for it, it, I feel like, or or attempt to make it happen, it it won't. You know, right? But it's but totally. I think it is like it's totally a first world problem. Like my mother in law has said to us, she's like, you know, when I moved here, like we didn't have. A choice you know like we lived in the one place where we knew someone and that was it and that's and that was 45 years ago and we're still here yeah, yeah. you know and so uh you know and and you make the best of it so so i you know i don't pretend to have like the worst problems in the world but it's like i was just we, about to say that's the problem with choice and then realize how ridiculous that sounds but it is true but this is an actual phenomenon it, it's, yeah. uh, it's called being a flummoxed by the paradox of choice hmm. analysis paralysis this, <laughs> this is one of the things they do at trader joe's to bring it back to food yeah you know trader joe's by design stocks very few items right. a very small number of items yeah there's Even not two there's not two different types of Marcona almond. They're That's one right. kind. Right. And, and their research has found that people find that people say they want more options, but they actually don't. Yeah. Right. They actually find more options to be stressful. Hmm. And they like shopping at Trader Joe's in part because it's a relaxing experience because they aren't forced to make difficult choices. I tried to buy tahini <laughs> at, at Fairway. Right. <laughs> It was so fucking stressful. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how many kinds of tahini there are? It was like, I almost, I almost just fell on the floor in the aisle, like yeah. and it curled up into the fetal position because there were so many kinds of tahini. <laughs> right. you know, it's, it's nice to know that, that, uh, that Trader Joe's uh, philosophy extends to their parking lots where they have, you know, just the right. one space, you know, <laughs> <laughs> no need to choose. Yeah. Just... Uh, zing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take that, Trader Joe's. I do love Trader Joe's, though. <laughs> I mean, we don't, we don't have it. We do not have it. it here. Like so many other things, we don't have. Uh, oh, Chris, uh, I have bad news for you, by the way. Oh, what? Found out today that the uh, Liquor Control Board of Ontario is not going to be stocking Carpano Antica anymore. <laughs> oh, you know what, though? If you, if you go to their uh, website, it's like they give you two options. There was once, at one time, probably three bottles that existed on a shelf in a store that they can't tell you Collecting where. Collecting dust, yeah. It was $17, and then the other the option was $99. And they've, they haven't had it for God knows how long. So Yeah. Sorry, anyway. buddy. That's okay. I'll survive, I guess. First world problem. Totally. Exactly. <laughs> so, so what? Here. What do you guys think? I mean, I mean, should I uh, accept 
the fo- continue to focus on the positives and be happy there and try to persuade my wife to do the same? Should we consider moving closer to the city where we would get, uh, like, we're, assume we're not going to move back into the city, right. but we could move closer to the city where we would have easier access to the city, more culture, more diverse, a more diverse community, which is also an issue out there. Right. A more diverse community meet and interact with more different kinds of people, but we would uh, have a you know a, a, a smaller house, a less nice. Not, not that we live in a mansion as it is, but like you know, like we'd probably end up in a closer to a dump. Right. Well, I um, think I think you, you 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 know it is it's we haven't really focused on your wife's struggle with the scenario, but I mean if it's like a seclusion thing where she's not feeling like she's connecting to anybody, that's a pretty real. You know, that's a pretty real concern. I mean, you, as you say, right. no matter where you are, closer or further from the city, you're going to be coming into the city. And it's one of those real concerns that, for all its realness, has a, an abstracted, non-urgent nature to it. So it can, like, become a larger problem in, a, in the longness of time than some short-term urgent reason that you would have to move, like having the second kid, like... Being disconnected is doesn't feel like an urgent problem because right. obviously you can always like say we'll move at some point, but uh, but I really do see like both sides of 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 it because you know like I think that the big problem with the suburbs uh, as a design issue is that they sort of hold the promise of the country and the promise of the city at the same time, but managed not to have either mm-hmm. like you don't have a, a a enough density to have a community or walkability and then you also have too much density to you know experience the kind of nurturing effect of being in nature uh it sounds like you guys have actually found the one part of the suburbs that has both a little bit or uh, at least one of them <laughs> yeah i mean i think i i would probably say we have more of I think we do legitimately have the advantages of quote unquote the country right with some access to the city. I mean like within a like within 10 miles of where we live there are like six beaches and That's incredible. <laughs> pro- probably, yeah. you know, six farms. Yeah. Uh working farms. Um and waterfront towns and harbors and boats and all of that. Yeah. So we have that and like and and, and there are a lot of trees and hills like it's very scenic. Yeah. So who falls on what side? Like what, what is, what is your wife, what does she think? And what, what do you think? Like, do you want to move closer? I mean, I think that we both kind of want to move closer, but, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm less gung. It's it's funny. Like, so this is like the nature of our relationship. Like she sort of is more the one who wants to move, (laughs) but I'm sort of the one who like, if it's going to happen, it's going to be because, I mean, like we'll do it together, but like you're you're gonna you're gonna like do the planning and spearheading kind of. Yeah, like like she's not gonna right. She's not gonna take charge and be like, okay, we're moving. Even if I say, okay, let's move. Right. She's not gonna like. Not I don't know that any single per like person would, but you know, like right. one person in a relationship would. Yeah. But like, you know, usually like these big things happen when I get on board and we, we then then we do it together. Right. But like I, I sort of contribute the motivation. Yeah, but that's um, because and, you're and, a ray and, of and sunshine, Dan. Right? Well, you, you're seeing me. the positivity. Yeah. That's right. Right. <laughs> and that really right. helps. That really does help. Yeah, totally. But like, I, I just, I just feel like nothing's perfect. Yeah. And like, I really love our house. 
Like right. we have, I really love our house and our backyard. Our backyard is so nice. And it's very beautiful and peaceful to sit back there. And like, if we move to another town closer to the city, like our house won't be as nice. Like we'll have to worry about like things constantly falling apart in the house. Right. I don't know if my parents will be able to come and stay with us and we won't have very much space in our yard. Right. And we'll, you know, we'll be kind of cramped again. But yeah. the flip side is that like, you know, maybe it's uh, the people that you're with is more important than where you are. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that's well, a, does that's... the uh, does the Navy fizz do do anything to to settle the quandary in your mind? Sounds like it's bringing up more questions than answers, Dan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As alcohol so often does. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I did. I was thinking about the the fact that you know I live in a very urban uh, part of of Brooklyn, so I don't have an opportunity to grow much. But I do a little bit of planting, and I would love to. Your tomatoes look good. Yeah, they. Uh, they taste good too. Um, I would love to be able to plant more though, you know, and, and my previous apartment had a lot more yard space and I did a lot more, uh, more gardening. And, um, I've, uh, I, I, you know, there's a, there's an ongoing conversation between me and my wife about a move to LA eventually. And a part of that debate is like, what, what kind of LA would we be signing up for? Cause there's the downtown, urban you can get something not quite like new york but similar there but in my mind you kind of sacrifice all of the reasons that you would live in la to do that which is that you would have you know a place with a lot of air and and light and a yard where you could you know i mean water crisis aside plant something and right. grow it <laughs> cactus farm yeah exactly <laughs> No, totally. Like I, it's funny because so like I'd been to LA a number of times, often for work, and usually when I went there for work in the past, it was like very like in and out, quick right. visit, and I was always like in Santa Monica or Venice, and was sort of always sort of like, oh, this place, you know, I just don't get it. <laughs> it's so ridiculous, yeah. you know. Um, like, and I actually think that LA is the world's largest suburb. Totally there's true. Really no it's city there. It's actually yeah, just it's a so giant true. sprawling suburb. And so, but the last time I was there, I actually sort of had a little free time to kind of actually explore the city and go hang out with friends in the areas where, like, I might actually live if I lived there. Right. Um, the areas farther in from the water and went on a hike and, like, I enjoyed it so much, you know, and it was, like, I still don't know that I would ever want to live there. I like the seasons, but, like... Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big season fan as I well. I can totally see it. And I'm going back next week and I'm, like, really looking forward to being there yeah. and, um... Well, you should uh, poke your head in our friend uh, Jesse Thorne while you're there. I would love to. I'll Maybe put you I in will. touch. I, I, I've emailed with Jesse, but we've yeah, never actually met in person. Yeah. He's a, you, well, you should definitely I, check out the MaximumFun.org offices where we've recorded a couple episodes of this show. It's a, a real spectacular place. Uh, they have view. floor-to-ceiling window view of, the, uh, of MacArthur Park, and it's, uh, cool. it is a uh, sight to behold, for sure. Maybe, maybe the best way to see MacArthur Park. Yeah. Yeah, you know? not up close is a little bit more upsetting. <laughs> um, but then uh, you could, if you walk through it and go to Langer's Delicatessen on the other side, yeah. you'll uh, you'll you'll start to question whether the New York Deli is the is the juggernaut that it claims to be. Really? At Langer's, Langer's. Deli. Ooh, Langer's that sandwich. Ooh, man. The, yeah, the number 11 sandwich at Langer's uh uh really brings the fight to the Katzes of the world. What's on that sandwich? Uh it's uh I think it's like basically a a Reuben with some 
gussying up. I can't remember exactly. But it's um, it's it's a monster. I mean, it is, it's, it's a monster, like you need yeah. to bring a, a it, mobile home with you so you can have a nap right outside yeah. the restaurant. Yeah, you need to, you huge. need to, you need to bring a, a a unit of elite soldiers to help you finish it because you're you're consuming at least ten thousand calories on that plate. <laughs> um, uh, well, before uh, we go too long, Chris, uh, why don't you why don't you let us in on this? I think we've I, I think we've spent the most amount of time on the right subject because uh, I, I, I agree. Both you and I, Ben, uh, maybe our stories are a little light this week. Our issues are a little light, but I mean, it's it's kind of weighing on my mind. So um, just before my dad went in for his hip replacement surgery, I started to feel something in my hip, the same hip, the left hip. And then when he was experiencing Ooh. like his thing, I was like, oh, this is just sympathy pain. I'm just feeling sympathy pain. <laughs> yeah. And that, the, the sympathy has, the time for sympathy has come and gone. I mean, he's now moved on to his knee surgery as, uh, as we talked about. And, right. Uh, but my pain is still here and it's like almost constant. I mean, it's like, really? there's only a few times a day where I don't really feel it. And then I just, when I recognize it, I stay as still as possible. I'm like, oh. Like a, you got you got a uh, you got a back pocket wallet that you could take out. Dude, I'm not kidding. It's, you know what? It's probably it's probably the thing. Yeah, you gotta get it's, get rid of that back pocket wallet, man. It's probably the thing. But I've, I've got to go get. Uh, well, I'm going to get uh, seen to by the doctor soon. I'm going to request like a you know. Um, or or what? second wallet, other back pocket, oh, even it out. You know what, man? I've been wondering what to do with all this cash I got. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, All this uh, sweet podcast money. Yeah, you know how it is. Uh, no, I don't. I wish I did. <laughs> yeah, me, me too. Me too. It's just I'm I'm like kind of bummed out because I'm expecting everybody that I've spoken to that I mentioned this to that either has somebody in their family that has ex- gone, has gone through this or has gone through it themselves. Um, yeah. For example, the comic book guy up the road. He's a 45 year old man who was a very physically active guy: baseball, mm. football, you know, running, cycling. Uh, hiking, whatever, and he needs a, like a replacement, and I'm like, oh man, I please don't t- like. I'm too young to be thinking about a GD yeah. hip replacement right now, you know. Um, Although but, everybody that gets it loves them. So. Yeah, but you can't run anymore. I've just started running again, you know. Like yeah. I mean, I've 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 you know tr- I've been training, and and it's like fun, and I mean fun is in quotations because it's difficult and you know it's only fun when it's over but uh (laughs) at this point but um yeah Yeah. i'm just like there's certain things i'm thinking about that i'm not really ready to to give up i mean i'm getting way ahead of myself i understand that but i'm just yeah yeah. you're you're, you are doing all of the wrong things of a guy who already has the worst case scenario (laughs) diagnosis but this is it this is it it's like okay well good i mean like i'll go there and it'll just be like i'm wrong and i'm i'd way rather be wrong you know yeah uh, Think that well, no. This is see now, Dan. This is maybe you're the perfect person. The ray of sunshine here, the positivity. You know, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how do I, am I looking at it? Am I being too like I'm probably being too? Uh, well, you have drastic. you have. There's no diagnosis right now, correct? Correct. And uh, other than this occasional pain that mm-hmm. you feel, there's no uh, concrete medical evidence to suggest no. that you need a hip replacement. <laughs> no, no. And I mean, look, that's far off. I think if it, if it's true, but I mean, yeah, I know I don't have any evidence and I've spoken to other runners and they say hip tension is, is, uh, is a very real thing with runners and that, you know, they talk about, um, you know, 
one of the main focuses for runners was like the way you plant your feet. And I wouldn't consider myself a runner per se. I just have been running, uh, you know, cause I'm not super serious about it, but, um, you know, it was about the way you plant your feet. And then I was reading up on it and it's actually the way you, uh, like your hips are the, th- the thing and your feet take care of themselves if you work out your hip movement. So yeah. huh. it could be a few different factors, but yeah, maybe you need to, uh, watch like a YouTube video on running form or something like that. Yeah. The only thing that I know about running form I, comes from the advice that Donald Sutherland gave to the actor portraying yeah. Steve Prefontaine in the <laughs> film Prefontaine. <laughs> okay, what is that? Uh, he said that you want to uh, uh, move your hips. Um, I forget exactly how he put it. I'm sure it was more poetic in the way that I'll put it, but mm-hmm. it was something to the effect of um, as if at the point of maximum... Uh, insertion penetration <laughs> uh, like you're having sex with a woman right or, or a man it could be having sex with anyone that's how you're supposed to run this is going to get funny you're supposed to put your, your your hips as they rotate should be like that's the position you're trying to get them into that's what donald sutherland told steve prefontaine in the film prefontaine wow, wow. so like angling your pelvis in yes. a in a a downward thrusting motion that's right. Maybe, maybe not all. The, maybe that's only. I don't know. Look, don't take running if advice I, from listen, me. Listen, listen. If I if I'm second take this, hand movie yeah, running yeah. advice, no, we that's shouldn't the best take kind. that. One? Yeah, I'm almost a doctor. If 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 I'm to take I this a movie, yeah, some, yeah if something I'm, that a screenwriter yeah. wrote that Donald Sutherland said is basically yeah. definitive. Listen, yeah. if I'm going to take this, general. if I'm going to take this advice, if I'm going to take this advice by description only, I'm going to be running down the street, humping the air. Uh, we'll I don't a, know. We'll post a vine so Listen, that everybody gets yeah. to see. The, neighbor, the neighborhood I, that I live in is rough enough that they don't need some pervert running down the street humping <laughs> the air. Yeah. Well, you know, before you poo-poo it, Chris, I suggest you check your times. Yeah. Okay. Oh. All right? Because if you suddenly start flying down the street and all of a sudden you get a minute cut off your mile time, you're yeah. going to thank me and Donald Sutherland. Yeah. No, I, I will. And, I, and, I, then, <laughs> and then Toronto Marathon, here we come. That's it's right. true. And then who knows next? Maybe New York and Boston. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's that crazy humping runner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's the lady that poops herself, herself as she crosses the finish line. And there's the guy that fucks the air. <laughs> Let's desperately get to the next yeah. segment. Um, Chris. Let's run hump to the next segment. <laughs> sorry, I had to do it. I'm sorry. Cut that out. Um, I do need to get going in a few minutes. Yeah, so we, we are uh, the, uh, We are almost there. i got to catch my train to the country so I can be home at 7 o'clock. Well, Shit. Uh, well, uh, before you go, uh, we have a listener request uh, that was sent in. And here it is. Hey, Ben. Hey, Chris. This is Carlos in Minneapolis. My life event is that... I decided to start running for fitness, Whoa. and I just bought my first pair of running shoes. Wow. Italian. There's a tie in there. Um, thanks for calling in, Carlos. And, thanks, Carlos. Uh, uh, Dan, I'm so sorry that Carlos didn't say hi to you also. That hurt. Uh, well, <laughs> little bit, a little bit painful. We'll um, call him and edit it in later. Uh, Chris, uh, what, what do we have for Carlos? Well, first of all, congratulations, Carlos. You have uh, lifelong hip problems to look forward to. Uh, <laughs> and some nice you, running shoes to go with. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're going to be drinking something called, very little on the nose once again from your old pal Chris, uh, something called the Rum Runner. Um, it is one and a half ounces of spiced rum, half ounce of blackberry brandy, half ounce of creme de banane. There it is. 
uh, yeah. four ounces of orange juice, a dash of falernum or grenadine. So you're going to pour all ingredients into a cocktail shaker, uh, shake with ice, um, and strain into a hurricane glass. But there is an optional, and I would say recommended option, uh, optional option, uh, pour <laughs> ingredients, pour all ingredients into a blender, uh, with approximately three quarter cups of ice and blend until smooth. Cause yeah. it's hot. F yeah. So do it that way. I think that would be a much better version. Um, that sounds good. But uh, give it a whirl. I drink that shit. Yeah, give it a whirl and, um, you know, take a photo. Uh, we want a photo of those new shoes and your drink, Carlos, please. <laughs> uh, I, I have, I'll take it one step further on the blender procedure. If mm-hmm. you have a little, time, a little lead time, freeze that orange juice and blend it with the frozen orange juice so that it's real Ooh. slushy. Just saying. I like um, your style. I like your style. Yeah, holla at your boy. Um, <laughs> Dan, uh, how, how do people find The Sporkful? How do people find you? Well, The Sporkful podcast is available wherever you get any podcasts. Yeah, so, so if you listen to this, you yeah, should right. be listening to that. Yeah, and, and if you're listening to this, then you know how to listen to podcasts already. So right. just search for The Sporkful in whatever you're using to listen to this. Great yeah. show. It's a great show. Thank you. Fabulous. Um, Thanks, guys. And uh, do you have a Twitter account? That, uh... Yeah, I'm at The Sporkful, facebook.com slash sporkful. Um, I do a cooking channel web series called You're Eating It Wrong that people can find on my website. It's called oh, sporkful.com. So, check that out. Yeah, please do. Um, well, you can follow Chris on Twitter at Chris B. Chicken. And Benjamin at Benjamin R-A-H-R. And you can follow our show at Drink About It. You can uh, follow us on Facebook, Let's Drink About It. You can follow us on Instagram, Let's Drink About It. Um, we're on iTunes. Please rate and uh, give us five stars. It really helps us find new listeners. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're listening, like, and you haven't, you know, like, this, look, we haven't asked you for money. We're not advertising at you at all. So uh, do us one little favor and give us a nice, nice review on iTunes. Please. Yeah. There we go. That's, that's all the, that's all the compensation we require. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we should thank Graham Walsh for the music on our show and Paul Watling for the illustration of our logo mm-hmm. and dan uh, pashman thank you man, very much thank you dan pashman oh, thank you so much Th- for thanks coming for on. having me and thanks for the drink i might i might make that pepper thing this weekend i mean i love th- your drink and my drink alice so uh, the recipe is uh, is yours if you want it um right. well with that we will be back at you next week with more life events and more cocktails that goes perfectly with them later potato don't choke on your rum and coke Are you good temperature-wise? Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay. But it's funny because when I walked out of my office today, and then the, that wall, the of wall heat yeah. at three o'clock in the afternoon, yeah. it's, it's over ninety degrees here. Today. New York feels like a dog's mouth. Yeah. Today. <laughs> <laughs> it hit me, and my first thought was, "I hope Benjamin is air conditioning." <laughs> <laughs> yeah.